you're Jewish? You don't look Jewish. I thought all Jews were white. Our guests today have heard all of that and more. Hello, Podcast Village. Welcome to the award-winning Colorblind Race Across Generations, the safe space and place where we talk about race openly and honestly with an open mind and an open heart. I'm your host, Vanessa Eccles, along with super producer, Ashley Long. Hello, Ashley. Hey, hey. Ooh, this is a doozy today, isn't it? <laughs> I learned a lot as usual. Yes. Well, today we're talking about a growing demographic in this country, Jews of color. Yep. Not all Jews are white people. There's a newsflash for you. Joining us are Mayan Zeke, who has been described as an orthodox racial equity activist. Alana Kaufman, the executive director of Jews of Color Initiative and Rabbi Isaiah Rothstein, rabbinic scholar and public affairs advisor at Jewish Federations of North America. And his focus is on social justice, diversity, and inclusion. This is very informative. Let's listen. So thank you all for joining us. I think this is going to be a very interesting conversation. Mayan, Zeke, I want to start with you. I heard you described as an orthodox racial equity activist. Uh, fair assessment, would you say? Yeah, yeah, definitely um, fair assessment. Um, also Jamaican, like I'm very proud of being Caribbean as well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's who I am. So your mother is Jamaican American, correct? Mm-hmm. Jamaican. Your father? Jamaican. Yeah. Oh, she's Jamaican. Okay. And yes. your father was from right. Alabama? Correct. Yes. And where in Alabama? Because side note, I grew up in Alabama as well. Oh, really? That's so cool. Phoenix City, if you know it. Uh, yes. About 30 minutes from where I grew up in Auburn, Alabama. Wow. Very nice. Very <laughs> okay. So now that we've had a uh, family reunion time, tell me a little bit about... Um, when people find out that you are Jewish, what's the first question they ask or what is their first reaction? Their first reaction is usually, wow, a unicorn. I think I saw an Oprah segment on them once <laughs> on Black Orthodox Jews one time. Are you that girl? Are you that girl from Oprah? Like, no, no, she's another girl. <laughs> I'm not that girl, but yeah. So tell me a little bit about your journey to the Jewish faith. Um, so as a kid, like when I was about 13, I started this spiritual, um, you know, like a spiritual journey, if you will. It's kind of like doing an evaluation of myself of like, oh, which is which way do I want to go with my life? Like what needs to be improved here? And I decided spiritual box that needs to be, you know, improved there. So kind of like wandering a little bit, like exploring my family's background and that sort of thing and found out that my great grandmother was Jewish or at least rumored to be a Jewish woman. Um, and that's my mom's mom's. Uh, yeah. So I was like, oh, wow. So it was very surprising. I wanted to investigate it more. And, and did that. And I found some correlations even with my, you know, my childhood, you know, with my grandmother reading to me like Old Testament and just like my feelings about, you know, what is the Torah and, you know, just feeling very familiar with it, very at home with it. And I thought, you know, like, that's just 
that's just the natural way for me to go um, in terms of my faith and, you know, that sort of thing. Tell me a little bit about how you got involved in social justice and activism and how that has played into your faith as well. Okay. Um, so just, you know, hanging around, uh, having a group of friends, um, I've described in the past just, you know, just having the various different people, like the, the experience that I have in my community, like having the different friends that I have, they're curated, you know, you pick and choose who you want to hang out with. And so the people that I was hanging out with had very um, similar political views. And so when things didn't quite, you know, go exactly the way we thought it should have gone, you know, we gathered together and we supported each other and, and we were there to kind of like, you know, when we were, we may have felt attacked by other people with opposing views, we were there to support each other. So when we, um, when the George Floyd uh, thing happened, and we were, I think we were just coming out of um, Shavuos, and I describe it as coming out of, because when you go, when, when a holiday happens, when a Jewish holiday happens, it's like, at least for the Orthodox world, you know, you do, you're not accept, you're like not connected to anything going on outside of your immediate like family, community. You know, no phones, no um, you know, no internet, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, all of those things. So in a way, it's kind of like you're going into this this building of a holiday, and then afterwards coming out and looking around and going, okay, what happened in the world? And so we came out of Shavuot, uh, which is a celebration of the Torah, the giving of the Torah, and um, and to find that uh, this thing that happened to George Floyd, this horrific thing, and we wanted to help support um, this movement and the Black community, and to let them know that we're we're with them, and you know, and Torah doesn't abide by this injustice that's happening um, in in America with regards to systemic racism and, and that particular thing that happened with them. So in any case, yeah, so we decided like another friend of ours was coming out of, I think COVID her own kind of COVID quarantine at the time. And, you know, and was like, Hey, what's, what are good protests out there? Let's do something together. And there wasn't anything that worked with everyone's schedules. So we made one. Um, and, and that's how we got involved. Yeah. Is there a struggle when you look at a situation like what happened last summer with social justice protests? Is there a struggle between being black in America and being Jewish in America and being black and Jewish in America? <laughs> um, well, of course, there's definitely a struggle of being black in America. That's definitely a struggle. Um, being Jewish and black in America, I think that with regards to the Jewish community, and I think some might say that I'm being very generous here, but I think that the focus is not usually on all of the various social justice things going on in America, unless it's directly to do with the Jewish community in regards to anti-Semitism and the, that sort of subject matter. Um, if, if a Jew isn't involved, it's kind of like, well, okay, well, it's not really, this doesn't have to do with me at all, you know, but, but as a black Jewish 
American that all has to do with me and I have to deal with both. And, um, and I don't think that the Jewish community understands that one, you know, there is a growing, uh, a growing number of black Jewish people in our community and that we do need to care about the things that happened beyond the Jewish community. So it's, you know, there's a quote in Jeremiah that says like, you do need to pay attention to what's going on in the city, not just in your immediate community. You have to pay attention to what's going on around you and around the world there. And it's, and when the world is good, your community will also be good. So tell me about when you first went to your first synagogue or your first meeting or whatever, and you walk in, is there like, what's she doing here? Or is, well, she's here because she must be Jewish and let's surround her with love and peace and open arms. Well, I have two firsts. So like there was one first when I decided, is it maybe conservative? Maybe that's the way to go. You know, there's different um, denominations amongst the Jew- Jewish faith. And I thought, oh, maybe conservative, maybe that's the way to go. And when I went there, I like came in pants. I think I, my hair was all froed out and everything. And I think one of the, I think one of the congregational members thought I was maybe Michael Jackson-esque looking. And they're like, is, is it a boy, is it a girl? I don't know these days, whatever. Like, yeah, I'm like, do I wear a kippah? Do I wear a tallit, like this um, prayer shawl? And they're like, the guy was like, yes, definitely do all those things. And the rabbi came and was like, oh, okay, um, let's discuss those things first. And then we can find out if you want to do that. And that community was pretty welcoming of me. Like, still, there were like questions like how and what and whatever, but they were pretty welcoming of me. And the Orthodox community... Um, it, it depends on like where you go and how you go about it. But my first, my very first going to a shul, cause I had no idea about times and whatever else there's a schedule for everything. Anyway, um, you know, uh, coming upon these two women um, in the shul, I wanted, it was Hanukkah time and uh, in the synagogue, I say shul, but it's synagogue as well. But yeah, coming upon these two women and then immediately just asking me to leave, like frantically asking me to leave and spitting after me and telling me that they're going to call the police on me. And I was so confused. Like, what did I do? I don't understand. Like, I just wanted to see a menorah. I don't. And they're like, just get out. What's going on? It was the whole thing. And it was so upsetting. Um, Yeah, I ran home and I cried. It was very, um, yeah. And so if you, uh, this is a general kind of question, but do you think there is discrimination against who are Black and Jewish, even within the Jewish community? I would say there's like, there are two things I'm thinking about right now. So one, I would definitely say that there are people who would not expect there to be any Black Jewish people and would turn to me and probably immediately think that I was like a cleaning lady or some goyish person or, you know, some person of service who maybe should not be there, or if I'm there, maybe I'm I'm cleaning something, who knows? But, uh, and then there are other people who just, 
they're they're like maybe i don't know it's just never been their focus they're not outrightly like in it's not their outright intention to be racist right it's kind of like an unconscious microaggression if you will yeah and how about discrimination against uh people who are black and jewish in the black community um you don't have a lot of street cred because you're Jewish. That's interesting for me because like in regards to my neighbors, like I, you know, like my husband is like a very tip. My husband's like, like as in the article, it says white Israeli Jewish man, like, you know, so he's very obviously Jewish. So like I've had incidents in the beginning of my time and like we'd moved to a new part of the neighborhood. And um, in the beginning of our time there, what is it like seven years now? So like seven years ago, you're just like, uh, we're like, oh, can someone move their car? And they're like, oh no, I wouldn't be helping no Jewish guy, like no Jewish man or whatever. Like very outright. And I stepped up to them and I said, hey, I'm Jewish. Are you gonna, are you gonna treat me like that? And then they were like, Oh, and then some other guy came along was like, like, man, like, you know, let's just help them out. Like, whatever. It's not a big deal. Like, just like, so I got like a lot of shock and awe and surprise. And even uh, like, I feel like maybe I'm talked about in the community because every once in a while I'll hear whispers of like, she's a black Jewish woman, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Or, you know, or like random people coming up to me asking, do you know how I can convert to Judaism? And I'm like, I find a local Orthodox ra- rabbi, you know, that's usually the route. <laughs> yeah. You are not the spokesman for all, or spokesperson for all people black and Jewish. <laughs> So let's bring in now Alana Kaufman, the executive director of Jews of Color Initiative. Alana, first of all, tell us about your background. How do you identify ethnically or race-wise, however we want to put it? I identify as Black. I identify as Jewish. Um, Among different groups, I might identify as biracial, um, which doesn't uh, discount the identity around Black. Um, I grew up in an environment where there were hardly any Jewish people of color or black Jews, but I was not an only, only, only one. Um, And I grew up in an environment where there were lots of Jews and lots of black people. Um, And so it wasn't an impossibility that I might exist. And so one of your parents, are both parents Jewish or what's my mother? the family history? Yes, yes. My mother is um, white. She was raised modern Orthodox Jewish. Her parents are from Poland and Romania. So kind of represents one kind of typical narrative of Eastern European Jews coming to the United States in the 20s, 30s, 40s. My father is from Texas City, Texas um, and was raised Southern Baptist. My grandmother went to the same church for 50 years. And I'd say really my, you know, I was raised with my mother. And so I think, there was a deep commitment to us extending the family faith around Judaism. I'm named after my grandfather. And up until my child was born, I was the, we were, my brother and I were the last Kaufmans. Um, and so it's all very important. And um, my father's family, you know, my family were our people of faith. And I think my my grandmother in particular was raised in a way where as long as we were people of the monotheism, 
the monotheistic Abrahamic faiths. Um, there was an absolute openness to us being Jewish. And so when I became bat mitzvah at 13, my, my, my family came from Texas to celebrate that occasion. When my own daughter became bat mitzvah, my cousin Christy came from Texas to celebrate that occasion. And so, um, yeah, but that's a little bit about my, my background, my family background. So tell me about Jews of Color Initiative. Why is that organization, does it exist? What do you do? What's your mission? Yeah, we exist because racism in the United States exists and racism is like the air we breathe. It kind of permeates all the boundaries, including the Jewish community. And, and, and I like to say that, you know, in general, like we should not be getting excited about the fact that there is racism in the Jewish community. We should be excited by the fact that there's an action, um, a lack of response to racism in the Jewish community. Depending on the, the age cohort, somewhere between 12 and 20% of the US Jewish community are people of color. So out of, um, you know, out of the 7.2 million Jews in the United States, up to a million of us are people of color. And um, our work is about centering the voices and experiences of Jews of color. It's about helping the US Jewish community inside the community become less racist, realize our multiracial potential. Um, and then outside of the Jewish community, help the broader community understand and in some cases, the external community even is, is, is I think, um, is more educated about the diversity of U.S. Jews because lots of Jews are connected to the formal Jewish community. Um, but part of our work is helping the national community understand that um, we, we in the U.S. Jewish community, we, we, we recognize racism exists. Um, we are a multiracial community. We are part of a, of a U.S. community that is multiracial. We are stronger together. Uh, as communities across different ethnicities and races and identities and faiths um, and centering the experiences of Jews of color is one way to help move forward in our work around, around being more just and more equitable, both in the, in the Jewish community and in the U.S. in general. And so it's really not an issue of being invisible, but it's the issue of, you know, we joked about the whole idea of you don't look Jewish. Right. Jews of color are out there. We just might not recognize. Well, I mean, I think for a long time, and you know, we have colleagues out there like Isaiah Roth, Rabbi Isaiah Rothstein, who's here with us today, like uh, Yuvila McCoy, April Baskin, Chava Shervington, um, Rabbi Shay Sean. There are uh, the, there there has been a long you know um, effort to have the, the visibility of Jews of color be elevated. And for a long time, I mean, when you ask kind of general community members out there, like, do you know any Jewish people of color? They might look at you and, and, and look quizzically around that question. And so we've done a terrible job in the US Jewish community about representing and reflecting ourselves as we are which is multiracial. And so part of the work is not, um, is about helping extend how we've talked about ourselves as US Jews, be more informed and more honest about the diversity of the US Jewish community. And then to your point, make sure we are well represented, our profiles are elevated and the diversity of Jews of color is well represented. Um, there's a lot of diversity in this country and that diversity is mirrored in the US Jewish community. Tell me about this project that your organization recently completed called Beyond the Count. I've read the report. It's fascinating. Thank so you. share with our listeners. First of all, I love the name of Beyond the Count, but why did this project come about and what did you do? 
So the Jews of Color Initiative, um, we get to do a lot of really um, wonderful work in this community, including listening to the questions of the communal ecosystem. So when you think about the national community of synagogues, day schools, community organizations, JCCs, all the efforts and entities out there, we're in service to the national ecosystem. And so we listen to the questions about the community. And so the first question was, how many Jews of color are there? And so we, we use the community's own data to help answer that question. And then the next question was, now that we sort of understand how many Jews of color there are, what are the experiences of Jews of color? What are the beliefs of Jews of color? Where are Jews of color across the country? To Mayan's point, what are the, um, the, the denominational expressions of Jewish life across Jews of color? How many of us are Black Jews? How many of us are Asian Jews? How many of us are multiracial? And do we experience racism in this community? Do we experience the anti-Semitism in the community? How many of us have been to a synagogue and ha had, a, had a question about how we became Jewish? What is our race? Should we be here? Can you, can you help change the paper towels? And so our data helps reveal not only the statistics behind that, something like three out of four, every Jew of color who's, into, who's engaged in the US communal organizations has experienced racism and discrimination, three out of four Jews of color. So not only do we talk about that, but we talk about how we might um, advance the work around racial justice and equity. We talk about where there are also all the, the, the spots of sunshine and all the goodness that's happening in the community. And we give the community um, the tools and the narratives, there are voices in there, more than 1,118 respondents in this data. It's the largest data set of Jews of color in US history. There's a lot of stories to be told in there. And there's a lot of opportunity to improve our community in there. And that's part of the reason we took that study on. And when you looked at the results, what surprised you the most? I mean, I wish I could say I was surprised by the fact that you know three out of four Jews of color experience racism and discrimination in the community, but I'm not. Um, I wish I could say so I was surprised that community members feel like us as leaders, the leaders in the community are doing an inadequate job of responding to racism, but I'm not. Um, I wish I was surprised by the fact that Jews of color think US Jewish leaders are doing better dealing with racism outside the Jewish community than inside the Jewish community, but I'm not. What I'm surprised by is the unbelievable commitment to Jewish life Jews of color reflect in that study. Jews of color are learned. Jews of color are engaged. Jews of color are ritually trained in Jewish life. Jews of color care about extending Jewish legacy and history. Jews of color care about honoring our ancestors. Jews of color care about celebrating the holidays um, in spite of all of the racism. And that to me was um, a surprise um, and really inspiring. How we talked a, a bit about the numbers, and you know, it's kind of like taking the census, you can't count every person, it's just a general idea of how many, right. how many are out there. But how will interracial marriages and interfaith marriages you think affect the growing demographic of Jews of color? So, um, Pew just updated their 2013 data. And so forgive me if my numbers are not perfect because I might be commingling 2013 and 2000 and, and then 2021. But Pew reported that 71% of non-Orthodox Jews of non-Orthodox Jews marry non-Jews in the United States. And then you intersect that data point with by 2042, half of the United States are going to be people of color. 
And so kind of like just shake and bake that data. And it tells you that Jews of color, not only are, are we already 12 to 20%, depending on the age bracket you're looking at, eight to 20%, depending on the age bracket. Um, but as the US Jewish community continues, and, and, and it's really important to understand that the, the marriage patterns of Orthodox Jews are different. Um, but as non-Orthodox Jews are marrying non-Jews, and a bunch of those partners and are going to be people of color. The U.S. Jewish community, every day Jew Jewish babies are born in this country, that number of people of color in that cohort is, is greater than the day before. And so we already know, just like this, the non-Jewish community, every age cohort of under 18 is becoming more and more people of color. That is absolutely true for the Jewish community. It's because of intermarriage. It's also because there's a bunch of Jews of color marrying other Jews of color and making more Jews of color. And so at this point, it's happening in all different ways. But yeah, that train has left the station. Well, I think that is a perfect segue to bring in now the rabbi, Isaiah Rothstein, so I want to ask you the question that I ask the ladies, which is racially or ethnically, how do you identify, first of all? Well, thank you, Vanessa. Shalom. Um, yes, I identify as, as Black, white, and Jewish. Um, I identify sometimes as, as the undercover brother, um, having less melanin than my other siblings do. Um, and yeah, racial identity. I think I'm still figuring it out. I'm still processing it every single day. And so growing up, both parents Jewish? Yeah, both my parents um, are Jewish. And yeah, my, my uh, father, um, his family really came at the turn of the 20th century um, fleeing Russian pogroms, so Eastern European Jews. Um, and so they've been in America for over 120 plus years, which is also uh, somewhat unique, I think, for uh, Jewish migration patterns and, and when European Jews were arriving in the US. Um, and then my, my mother's side of the family, uh, my mother is biracial. So my mother's mother, um, their family fought in the American Revolutionary War. Um, they, my, my great grandfather um, was, a, was a minister um, and a preacher in Morgantown, West Virginia. Um, and my, my mother uh, never met my mother's mother or father because my grandmother ended up marrying a black man in, in the 40s. Um, and my, my grandfather was, was born and raised um, really as an orphan. And, and um, his, his family and my family, um, going back a few generations, uh, were, were enslaved on this soil. Um, and so the collision of my parents' world That's in, a lot. Its own, <laughs> in its own right, yeah, holds a lot there. So talk to me about um, your role in terms of the Federation, because you're focusing on issues of social justice and diversity. So that's a, that's a big bear to get your hands around, but, but what's your focus here in terms of addressing some of these issues in the Jewish community? Yeah, thank you. You know, the Jewish federations have been around for um, over a hundred years. Um, they are, one of the oldest Jewish institutions around. And they also grew up um, with America in, in certain respects. And, and so when thinking through um, how the Jewish people have come to this soil and adapting, you know, the Jewish Federation system has been really a pillar of building American Jewish infrastructure 
um, throughout the last hundred years, and then also supporting um, flourishing civil society as a whole. And the role of federations, I, I would say that I, I came to this work and really driving our, both the, the race relations in the Jewish community and race relations in broader society and thinking through um, how we cultivate a culture of belonging um, and also lead with our, with our partnerships with the same integrity and to really um, be person-centered and equitable with, with everything that we do. And I was called um, to take this job by the CEO um, just 10 days after the murder of George Floyd. Um, I had like a few pre-interviews, like where I like spoke at a conference. It was not, not for any, you know, and then another event pre-Rosh Hashanah, I uh, played some guitar and the CEO was there. That was enough. But he called me um, and he, he, he said, we, we don't have any capacity here. Like mm. he was very straight up. And he said that we need, we need to develop capacity. We need a long-term sustainable approach uh, to racial justice and equity in the Jewish community and in broader society. And, and um, we, we don't know who to call exactly. <laughs> and so, so that's kind of, that was my first conversation with the CEO. I said, what does success look like? He's like, I don't know. I hope, I hope you'll help us figure it out. And, but that's, and such a, you know, that's such an honest kind of ask though, because that's kind of laying it out there. We aren't equipped to handle this and we want to work on it. I mean, and he, yes. And, you know, along with our board chair, Mark Wilf, like they created um, this, this job that I'm sitting in um, and um, created a public statement, really stating commitment as many organizations around that time did. Um, and, and really what we're continuing to see is, is that there is like a, a recruitment of JOC leaders into Jewish communal life leadership positions that have that has that's unprecedented and also those questions of like retention right like are our environments conducive can we actually hold um especially if, if for a hundred plus years some of our sectors of jewish communal life have not reflected the racial and ethnic diversity of the jewish community and they have seen us to my aunt's point about unicorn you know growing up where i grew up my family we were the only family uh, that was an interracial mixed race family uh, because the other two that were there when I was a little kid ended up leaving. It just wasn't uh, an environment. Um, so the, that retention piece, I think, is a question that Jewish federations are asking. I think organizations that really are trying to do this work um, and make sure that we're, we actually reflect um, the diversity of the Jewish community and also live in a, a similar flourishing society. So, you know, and I, every day when I do this work, though, I do like social change work and being a student of social change. It, feel, it feels like a really tall order. It does. It's, it's not a small task. And, and because we're in it for the generation and we're not. And, and so we're, we're planting our roots and we got to go deep. You know, that's that's what um, and we're just getting started. And when you hear stories about people who go to the synagogue and they don't feel welcomed or they're shunned, or you hear the results of the survey where people are saying, yeah, we feel racism, we feel discrimination. What are your thoughts then when you hear that? Thank you, yeah. And just to what Alana shared before about the Beyond the Count study and not feeling surprised. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, that's, that's, that's sad, right? That we have that many stories that personally or our loved ones that's intense, you know, and, and 
for me at Passing for White, hearing all the things people say to me, assuming that I'm not black or being, and that's just even more data. Like what people say when they do see what color, or what your background is and what your melanin level is. Well, what do they say when you're not? And that's even enough, like, it's that's the real data. <laughs> you know, and so in that way, I do think, um, I do think that I, my entire life, I've had this front row seat, um, seeing how I was treated when I was by myself with another, with one of my siblings, with my mother versus with my father, those dynamics, like since I was literally in kindergarten, you know? And so yeah. tell us about how you were treated differently when you're with your mom versus when you're with your dad, when you were growing up. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I remember, I remember the first time someone asked me if I was adopted and I was like, what? Like, why would you ask me if I'm adopted? Or someone's like, oh, like, is your mom from Ethiopia? Like, that was another question because there are, you know, over 150,000 Ethiopian Jews um, probably and climbing. And, and um, you know, so in that way, I would say that like, you know, being being with my mother you know, sometimes when I would go to my school, I was raised in the ultra-Orthodox community of Muncie. And I remember if I got in trouble, I had a resistance and a, a, a different kind of concern if my mother was going to be the person that would have to come to the school to bail me out or to like, to step up for me, or if it was my father, different kind of energy. And, um, you know, I also, people just assuming, um, you know, one, one time someone saying to me, um, is, was your, is my mother my nanny when I was in, in uh, middle school? Um, you know, and I would say that my mother, what she, both my parents have, have taught me is, is how to be in a relationship and to try to be as fierce as you can while, while doing so. And I, the amount of times where I have seen my mother model what it means to like speak truth to power and call out the racism um, in our Jewish community. You know, my mom is, she's, Queen, 73 years old, has been Jewish for over 40 years, um, you know, and she's still, she's still in Muncie, New York, in this community. So in your role with this uh, social justice activism with the Federation, you mentioned that the CEO, you asked the CEO, what does success look like? And he turned it back on you. So for you, what does success look like? So that you're not just in a role that a lot of companies have, like, oh, look, we have a diversity officer. Oh, look, we have a you know DEI person. What does success really look like for you in terms of uplifting, helping, helping people understand Jews of color? I would say first and foremost is that this work is inconclusive. It is ongoing. And so success to me is, is that the people who set up strategies to see it that way, their work in building um, inclusive Jewish communities as an ongoing um, journey. And so the work that we're doing, because it's on a generational timeline, what are those, what are those ongoing things we want our communities to be engaging in and focusing on? And um, so our, our work that we're doing through Jewish Federations, we call JEDI, which uh, stands for Jewish Equity, Diversity and Inclusion. Um, and are we, we have three core areas of focus that we wanna see our communities in ongoing activity for the next hundred years, but please God, it, the, the, 
the trends around racial bias should be less than 100 years of um, so we could turn it around maybe maybe today, you know, redemption now, as 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 they say. So, you know, our work is one is education. Um, and when we say education, we mean catalyzing our communities um, to, to both learn and unlearn what we need to do um, when it comes to racial justice and equity, both in the Jewish community and in broader society. What do we need to know? What do we need to feel? What do we need to be able to do? Um, and some of that is just aligning our legacy institutions, our, our organizational partners around language, around shared understanding, around knowledge base. Um, the second area is engagement, which really goes to the, the questions around collaborations, partnerships, who's in the room, like representation, that culture of belonging, how we build relationships um, with integrity. And that goes to our R's, which I mentioned two of them, the, the um, recruitment, retention, relations, um, recruitment, retention, um, relevance, and relationships. And so that, that key, it's not just to bring someone in the room, mm -hmm. but it's a, a question of retention. But then also, are you relevant? Are you speaking to them? Do they feel, see themselves in the sense of being reflected? And then is there really a relationship there? Um, so those are education to engagement. And then finally, it's the, the, the third area is empowerment. That's the third E. And what we really believe there is our, what our civic duty is, how we approach philanthropy and empowering and amplifying the needs um, and support for, for those um, that, that we're in relationship with. Um, that's like how we show up in, around allyship. And so these three areas, like, we want to see all of our communities engaged in these three areas and, and have a long-term sustainable strategy, at least a, a, a five-year plan for communal belonging and the intra, and then also thinking through a five-year plan for societal belonging, for American democracy, for public policy, for and how we show up as well. I want to ask all three of you this same question, which is, what do you think is the, bis, the biggest misconception that people have about Jews of color? And I'll start with you, Mayan. What's the biggest misconception that you think people have? I think the biggest misconception is that they think that all Jews of color is like uh, convert converts. Like everyone has always asked me like, oh, so you're a convert. You just like, you know, you, you, you changed religion for your husband. Like you got married, you changed religion for him. Like, no, I one, yes, I happen to be a convert, but not every Jewish person, not every Jew of color is a convert. Like we just heard from Rabbi Rothstein and Delana that they are, you know, they come from long backgrounds of, of heritage, you know, Jewish heritage in their families. So, you know, and they're born into it, right? So, and my children are now born into it. Um, and they're Jewish um, and born like, you know, from birth Jews, you know, so there's, and they have, you know, through their father, you know, a long line, and even possibly through my own, my own mother, like a long line of Jewish um, connection there. And so I think that is the top misconception that I get um, with regards to being a Jew of color. Alana, what do you think? Biggest misconception? I think you're on mute, Alana. Thank you. Related to what Mayan said, 
that somehow Jews of color are non-normative or mm -hmm. an exception to the rule rather than the rule. And if one is a scholar of history, if one is a scholar of theology, if one is a if one is paying attention, we know that Jews came from the Middle East originally. We know that Beta Israel, Ethiopian Jews, about whom Isaiah mentioned, have a lineage much longer than European Jews. Um, we know that Jewish people of color have, to my aunt's point, have been born Jewish. Some are Jews by choice. Some have converted. And, and um, but in the U.S., because we've created this this skewed narrative of Jews being white, and we the Jewish community has projected this narrative. So I just want to say, like, the Jewish community has done a really good job of maintaining the myth <laughs> that Jews are white. Um, but that, yeah, the biggest misconception is somehow we are the stranger um versus um this is our, this we we all were here before um either spiritually or historically um but yeah uh, Jews of color are not non-normative non and I'll just very quickly will say I was in Israel and I was talking to a, an Ethiopian sister who was who was telling me about when she came over from Israel from her 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 pathway to Ethiopia came by by airplane and she arrived at Ben Gurion Airport and looked at the host and was really confused and the host was like what are you confused about and she said I just thought all Jews were black like grown up in an environment where all Jews That's were the opposite black. of what is right it? and so you know context matters <laughs> and so yeah Rabbi. Yeah, uh, for you, biggest misconception. No, I, I really love what both Mayana and Alana shared. <laughs> specifically, like, I think I'll echo what Alana was really saying in a beautiful way, which is like, we have, we, you know, we have always been a multiracial, multi-ethnic, global people. And um, I think that um, seeing, you know, as many, unfortunately, I think still do is, you know, my, my mother's side of the family, they're like, oh no, it's just you guys. Like, it's just your family. Like not that 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 my story is one in a million plus, you know, um, as Alana shared about the percentages of of American Jews that are Jewish people of color. Um, I think just going back to that over and over, we have always been a multiracial, multiethnic, multicultural people, and and we're global people. And so when we move towards the West. And these American frameworks and these Western frameworks around race and the rules of engagement, you know, the the dominant majority of, of American Jews are European descent. And this question of whiteness and Eurocentrism and, and white supremacy and all these things, like, you know, I think that we all kind of um, need a healing process here, you know, and there is, it's a hot mess. It's a hot mess. <laughs> But a healing process is needed. Well, I want to thank all three of you for joining us. I think we've had a, this has been such a very interesting conversation. And I think listeners will learn a lot. You're here, you do exist, you're growing. And that's just how it is. So thank all three of you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's my privilege. Thank you for having me. I think we have learned a lot with this episode, Ashley. Because as you and I talked growing up, again, we thought all Jewish people were white. Yeah, I had one friend I told you who told me kind of half his family was Jewish. And I thought he was joking because I had no idea that any Black people were Jewish. But I also didn't know that Rabbi Rothstein 
was biracial on this Zoom. So that was also eye-opening for me that there are still the diversity and differences within the people of color within the Jewish community are still more expansive than I would have known otherwise. So I was excited and happy to hear about the work they're doing, especially to kind of push this narrative mainstream. Yeah, he mentioned, he said he was the undercover brother and talked about, you know, kind of- I laughed out loud. (laughs) Yeah, the whole idea of white passing because if we'll post his picture on social media as well as the other guests, but when you see his picture, you'll say like, oh, okay, he doesn't, if there's anything as in looking black, he doesn't look black. I mean, to just be basic there is what he was referring to when he said that, when he mentioned, you know, undercover brother. That's what he was talking about. But so interesting to hear about how they talked about um, the survey and how the people who were Jewish of color felt they had been discriminated. And even my story about going to, you know, the synagogue and and things like just a, a fascinating discussion that we had with them, which is what we do here on the podcast and a perfect way for us to end this year of 2021. This is it, Vanessa, this is it? Yeah, this is it. Mm. We had some eye-opening discussions this year about a variety of topics. And we had some amazing guests. And uh, in case you didn't know, we won an award. Oh, yeah. A big national award. We've talked about it a time or two, so maybe you. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, seriously, Podcast Village, we cannot do it without you, without you know, you listen, you let us know what you're thinking, you comment, and we appreciate it all. Don't forget, you can connect with us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, or you can send us an email at colorblindpodcast at gmail.com. So Ashley, any closing thoughts for the podcast village here as we wrap up podcast for 2021? I wasn't ready to say goodbye, but I guess we'll see you guys again in 2022. I'm sure the world will continue to give us plenty to talk about. I know. We'll be back just as big and bad, as strong as ever. So Mm -hmm. we hope everyone will have a wonderful Christmas and holiday. If you're celebrating any other holiday, just enjoy your holiday season. Be safe, and we will see you in 2022. Thanks, Podcast Village. See ya. Bye.